Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. This is a very important doctrinal lesson because it's foundational to how you divide the Bible, how you understand the Bible. If we don't get this, we'll end up messing up doctrine because we'll grab promises that were given to a certain group of people and we'll claim it for ourselves and we'll get all sorts of wishy-washy doctrine out of that. So we need to be careful that we understand these distinctions and these divisions in the Bible. First Corinthians chapter number 10 And we are down towards the end of the chapter. Verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. I hope you do that. I try. Verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. The Jews didn't all of a sudden become the church. The church didn't form out of a group of Gentiles. You had a distinctive group of Jews, a distinctive group of Gentiles, and now you have a distinctive group called the church of God. Those three groups are distinct and different from each other. The Jews are the physical race of people who descended from Abraham. It's a fleshly bloodline. Exodus 33. So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So you had all of these nations. You had all these people that made up all of these different nations. And God said, I'm calling you out. This nation is going to be separate and distinct. And it was the Jewish nation of Israel. God called them out, that nation, through Abraham. That's the Jews. That's the Jews. Got that? Everybody? All right. The Gentiles had no physical bloodline through Abraham. So if you weren't a Jew, guess what you were? Guess what we are? Gentiles. You weren't a Jew. You were a Gentile. You can't be both. You're either one or the other. Before God called out Abraham, there wasn't a distinct nation. There there wasn't a nation of Israel. There wasn't. It makes sense. Something happened. God called out a nation. And now you have something that's there that wasn't there before. That's the the uh, the Jew the Jewish nation. The third distinction is the Church of God. The Church of God is made up of the spiritual bloodline, not of Abraham, not of all the other nations, but of Jesus Christ. That's the Church of God. 
if you're physically born a Jew, you must be born again. If you are physically born not a Jew, which would make you a Gentile, you must be born again. Okay? It's a spiritual bloodline. That's the church of God. And just like God called Abraham out in the, New, in the Old Testament, called him out and then formed a nation, God now calls out Jews who are sinners. God now calls out Gentiles that are sinners and say, hey, you need to be born again. This is a spiritual bloodline. You need to have a, you had a physical birth as a Jew. You had a physical birth as a Gentile. Now you have to have a spiritual birth. So put away all your national pride and get born again. Those are the three main distinctions that the Bible makes concerning these three groups of people. If we don't get this, this is foundational. We've got to make these distinctions so we don't get hooked up in something we ought not be. Go to Matthew 16 and let's look at the church a little bit. Let's talk about the church. Matthew chapter 16, you all know this verse. Matthew 16, verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is speaking these words, during his earthly ministry about a church that has not been built yet. Because Jesus says, this is something that I will do. And he did do it, by the way. But when he said those words, it was not yet built. Just like there was a time when there was no Jew, there was a time when there was no church, the New Testament church for which we are a part of. So when Jesus is walking around during his earthly ministry, is there a gathering of people? Yes. Is there an assembly of people that's gathering as a church used as a general term? There is. But there's no New Testament church yet. Because Jesus Christ purchased it with what? His blood. And he didn't shed his blood yet when he said these words. Okay, so we've got a we've got a church that we want to we want to understand. And this church that Jesus is referring to couldn't possibly be Israel. <laughs> couldn't possibly be. That nation was already formed. He's talking about something future that will be formed. Also, people say, well, the church started with John the Baptist, and I don't want to be able to trace my baptism back to John the Baptist. There's a couple of things wrong with that. Number one, John, it was a different baptism. Number two, go back to Matthew chapter 14. And 
And let's start reading at verse 1, and it'll become evident to you why the church didn't start with John the Baptist. He's called the Baptist because he baptized people. Okay? Um, we say Eric the Builder. Why? Because he built stuff. <laughs> right? We say Tom the Plumber because he does plumbing. Um, we say Kelly the Woodworker because he does woodworking. And we say John the Baptist because he, he baptized people. But look what happens, in, or look what is recorded in, in Matthew 14. This is two chapters before the 16th chapter, in case you're, you'll need to know that. At the time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto the servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John, bound him, and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude, because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake. And then which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. You know why the church didn't start with John the Baptist? Because in chapter 14, he loses his head. Jesus says two chapters later upon this Rock, I will build my church. I will, I will do something in the future. How can he be the start of something that Jesus didn't even complete building yet? He couldn't have been. He couldn't have been. Are you saying we shouldn't be baptized? No, you should be baptized. Everyone that believes on Jesus Christ should be baptized. But to understand doctrinally the church... It didn't start with John the Baptist. And the New Testament church didn't start two chapters later when Jesus said, I will build my church. Because it's a future statement regarding something that is going to be completely done after he sheds his blood. We got all that, right? Now, the calling is different. Um, God's calling of Abraham was for a physical piece of real estate. That would be land. Uh, in Deuteronomy 8, a land of brooks of water, a land of wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, a land of olive oil and honey, a land whose stone are iron. The church is calling. The difference between the church and, the, and Israel is the calling. The church's calling is for a spiritual piece of real estate. That would be heaven. Okay? It's heaven is our calling. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Philippians 3.20. For our conversation is in heaven from whom... From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We call this 
the church house. This isn't the church. The church is Christ's body. It is a spiritual entity. We don't own land. We don't own buildings. We don't try to create a government within the church to try to rule the people outside the church. All of that is Jewish thinking. We are not trying to take over the earth by placing as many Christians as we can into politics. Look, if there's a Christian politician, guess who I'm voting for? But it's not the church's responsibility to try to take dominion over this earth. You know what that's called? Dominion theology. We're Baptists. Okay? We're not dominionists. And we get mixed up because we start acting like we're Jews when we're not. I want as many conservative, biblically-based laws as we can on our land. I want as many scripture verses and I want as many commandments that can be slapped on a state, a, a, a building, a, 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 you know, all that. But we're not the nation. And we're not trying to take dominion over this earth. This isn't our home. <laughs> we are pilgrims. Hence the name Pilgrim Baptist Church. <laughs> I'm going home someday. We're all going home someday. We're not getting into land and real estate. We need to own buildings and we need to own real estate legally so that we can protect ourselves under the laws here and be able to operate and gather. <laughs> That's why we do it. So if somebody comes in and wants to start giving us a hard time and, uh, you know, talking in tongues and doing, the, you know, creating the we can tell them, well, the Bible says, and they don't want to leave. No, we get them to leave. It's our property. Really? Yeah, right here. <laughs> That's what's it. Go. It helps protect us, but it doesn't help protect us spiritually. I don't care how many articles of covenants and faiths, and I don't, I don't care how many you have. None of that will help us spiritually. It all protects us physically all it does our calling is different go to mark chapter 10 um, because i'd like to bring to your attention also that our blessings are different mark chapter 10 the jews blessings were all material land livestock and living quarters that's what their blessings were <laughs> A poor beggar on the street. Look, if he's hungry and you got food, okay, give him a candy bar. But you better not stop there. We are not to give the beggar physical food. We are to give the beggar spiritual food. So what? You give him a warm house for a weekend. And he dies and ends up in an eternal hell. 
You get what I'm you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm, I'm not saying don't be compassionate. I'm saying we need to understand who we are as a people. Who we are as a people. We had somebody walking by this morning as we were pulling into the church house. Um, just as we pulled in, I get out of the, the truck. My wife had greeted her. I came around, gave gave her a gospel track. I said, the good news of Jesus Christ. The church, church house opens in 30 minutes. Love to have you. She went. I saw her put it in her pocket. She said, thank you. I'm hoping that she's reading it. But our job is to sow seed and... It'd be great if we can offer them a great lavish temple. <laughs> but if they don't have Jesus Christ, we've missed our calling. The blessings are different. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he had promised to them that love him? Our blessings are different. You can say all the prayer of Jabez as you want, try to take something that was for a different group of people and apply it to you. And it's just ought not. You ought not do that. Mark 10. Let's read what we said we're going to read. Look at the 21st verse. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. You got treasure down here? Do you know what keeps people from serving God? Their treasures, their worldly trinkets. It does. That's why this whole love of money, it's a problem. People say, well, you know, we should go to the people that are down and out and don't have much and, you know, all, all this. That's because you're looking at it through the lens of here down on earth. Go to the rich neighborhood. What are you saying? What I'm saying is rich people think they're okay because they've got money and they're better than the homeless person that's sleeping behind Walmart. And if that rich person dies with all their treasures in their big mansion house, guess where they go? We've got to get our priorities straight. Our blessings are different. Verse 22, and he was sad at that saying, and one way grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto the disciples, How hardly shall they have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But when the Jews obeyed God, God gave them material possessions and wealth. He multiplied their lands. He multiplied their livestock. And that's how God dealt with that nation. They obeyed. Yes, it was a form of worship. But they were blessed materially. But having food and, ra food and raiment therewith, you're content, right? 
if you go obey God this week and you two young fellows decide to go, when you're done playing at the park, you decide to go out and fulfill the Great Commission to the fellows that were maybe using some bad language. And you go over to them and you say, um, hey, that was a great football game. Can I tell you about, uh, can we talk about some spiritual matters? Can I tell you about Jesus Christ? And you go on and talk to those boys about the Lord. You're not going to go home and find out that your livestock just doubled because you obeyed God. Okay? You are storing up a treasure in heaven because your home's in heaven. Does that make sense? Wasn't so with the nation. They obeyed God. They got blessed materially. The blessings are different. Blessings are different. Romans 9. Romans 9. If we don't distinguish the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God, we'll end up like the Jehovah's Witnesses trapped in Matthew and not knowing where to apply the truth that you're applying. They have truth. It's just misplaced. And you come up with different doctrines because of that. Romans 9. Romans chapter number 9. Look at verse number 3. For I, that would be Paul, speaking under the Holy Spirit, could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. Who was Paul's brethren? My kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. That would be the Jews. This is the Jews. And uh, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. You know what the Jews had right there in verse number four? They had covenants. They had the law. They had the promises. Now go over to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look at verse number 11. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. Wherefore, remember, Ephesians 2, 11, that ye, being in time past Gentiles, okay, we looked at Paul and he's descendant of Jews, right? Now what are we talking about? Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. You know what the Jews who were circumcised called the Gentiles? The uncircumcised. <laughs> Pretty simple. That, verse 12, at that time ye were without Christ, watch it, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from, watch this, the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. The Gentiles didn't have the law. The Gentiles didn't have the covenants. The Gentiles didn't have the promises. But they still got earthly blessings from God because God's good. But the Gentiles really didn't have a way to pinpoint how and why. and Because they were Gentiles. They didn't have what the Jews had. You know what the church has? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not in our flesh, not down here on earth. 
Does every you, we've got to see this distinction: the Jew, the Gentile, and the Church of God. Go back to Romans, and we'll be in chapter three because there's different advantages. Not going to spend too much time because we'll be to chapter three soon enough in Sunday morning service, but. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, What advantage then hath the Jew? We're getting and leading up to in chapter 2 on Sunday morning about God's going to show the Jew he's no better than the Gentile. He's already been hinting at it in the beginning of the verses in chapter 2. And so you get to finally verse uh, chapter 3, Or what profit is there of circumcision? God, keep in mind, has just finished telling the Jew in chapter 2, you're just as bad as the Gentile, man. Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them, who's the them? That's the Jews. Unto the Jews were committed the oracles of God. The advantage that the Jew had, he was given the scripture. The Jew was given the oracles of God. The Gentile did not have that advantage. God gave those oracles of God to the Jew. Okay, so that's the advantage that the Jew had. Go to Mark 7. Mark chapter 7, verse... In the right place. Yes, okay. Uh, verse 24. Mark 7, verse 24. And from thence he arose and went to the border of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it. But he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. So that would make her a Gentile because if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay. So we just looked at the Jews advantage was they had the oracles of God. Now we're here in Mark chapter seven. We're dealing with a Greek who's a Gentile uh, for a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. Would you be humble enough to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus? I mean, if you're not saved, you might want to consider doing that tonight. Just throw yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ in humility. And you know what Christ didn't do? Kick her away. Shoo her away. She humbly fell. You know what else that takes? A lot of confidence. A lot of confidence that she wouldn't be mocked. A lot of confidence that she wouldn't be. You're just a Gentile. Takes a lot of confidence. In Jesus Christ. To be able to do that. People don't trust that Christ is good enough to save them because of whatever they construe in their mind. Trust means you're putting your confidence in the one that you're trusting in. You can do to be saved. You trust in Jesus Christ. You're putting all of your confidence in him. He's not going to throw you away. Because he's not going to throw you away. And he didn't throw this woman away. Verse 26, the woman was Greek and Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him 
that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. You know what this is talking about? You know who the bread was for? You know who the children were? That's the Jews. They get the loaf of bread. You're a Gentile dog. You're going to get crumbs. And you know what she was okay with? Getting the crumbs. <laughs> she didn't show up to get a loaf of bread. She showed up to get a crumb of bread. In other words, I know I'm not a Jew. I know I'm a Gentile. I'll sit, I'll sit beneath the table. I'll sit at the feet. I'll lay at your feet. And I'll let the crumbs fall. Because that's all I, she so trusted Jesus Christ and in confidence in Jesus Christ, all she needed was a little crumb. That was miraculous enough for her. She didn't need a whole loaf. But there's a distinction there that Jesus makes. Let the children first be filled. Just give me a crumb. She's not being sarcastic. She's not trying to undermine what Jesus said. She's not trying to make light of it. She just knows who he is and how powerful he is. And all it would take would be a crumb anyway. That's the Gentile. Uh, go to First Peter 2. First Peter chapter number 2. This is the church. Watch this. This is for us, the church. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Concerning us, the church, there was a time when we were not a people. Okay? But now we are a people and we fit into here. And don't matter if you're Jew, don't matter if you're a Gentile, you need to have the spiritual birth and get in on this Second Peter stuff, or First Peter stuff in chapter 2. I think it's... I guess I didn't write that down. Oh. Um, I'm going to look at one real quick. Go to Acts 7. I want to show you something real quick. You've probably seen this before, but I think it's good to draw it to our attention tonight. Look at Acts 7. This is why we got to rightly divide, and it's verse uh, 38. Acts 7, 38. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. I just point that out to say, well, in Acts 7, it talks about the church. But what church was it? It's a general reference to that assembly in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. Were people gathering and worshiping God? It's a reference to, yeah, the church is, it's just a called out assembly of people worshiping God. But that reference in Acts 7.38, you know what it's not a reference to? The New Testament church. 
because it wasn't in existence in the Old Testament. There has always been a church in the general definition of the word where people are gathering, people are worshiping the Lord, but there has not always been a New Testament church until the death of the testator. Okay, everybody get that distinction. All right, two more distinctions and then we'll be done. Go to Deuteronomy 28 because there's a difference between our bodily protection as far as God being our bodyguard. Deuteronomy 28 and John 16. Deuteronomy 28 and John 16, please. Deuteronomy 28, we'll start in verse number one. And Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. That's verse 27. Verse 28 says the same thing, basically. And it shall come to pass, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will be set thee on high above all nations of the earth. In the first verse of Deuteronomy, they were told to hearken diligently and to obey everything God gave them, right? Look at verse number two. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So God said, hearken. God said, keep these commandments. The condition was, if then, if you obey, then here's what I will do. And now watch this. Verse number three, blessed shalt thou be. Verse number four, blessed shalt thou be. Verse number five, blessed shalt thou be. Verse six, blessed shalt thou be. See all that? Watch, the Lord will cause thine enemies, verse 7, that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Why? Because they obey God. They got themselves a personal bodyguard. <laughs> if you obeyed God as a Jew in the Old Testament, God protected you. He blessed you with bodily protection. Now, praise God. Praise God. Wouldn't that be great if that were the case for us? Except it's not. Go to John chapter 16. A matter of fact, you're not a Jew and we're not in the Old Testament. We are part of the church, of the New Testament church. And you know what we're promised? Persecution. <laughs> John 16. These things have I spoken unto you. That ye should not be offended, okay? So don't be offended at this, when what Jesus is about to say. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. So you know what you'd be able to be ready for? To be killed, to be persecuted. What do you think? These missionaries going to third world countries or getting a temple like Solomon built? You kidding me? They're living in a tent out in the bush. And fresh pineapple is great for the first week until you find out that's every day for breakfast, okay? You're not going to Crackle Barrel, getting yourself a, a Big Mac, a thousand calories and one little sandwich, and you're full for the day. Yeah. Anybody else want to be a Christian? 
all this mega modern stuff with million dollar buildings and all this stuff, you can have Solomon's temple and lose your soul. And Ravenhill said it best. Modern church. Prosperity. It's moved away from persecution and prayer. We expect, we expect to be rich. Matter of fact, just think and grow rich. You can take all the Dale Carnegie courses you want. It's not going to get you one step closer to God. It'll get you one step closer to trusting in riches and having the right smile and the right handshake, make all the right business contacts, contacts and build yourself a, bit, a big little kingdom here on earth. And you'll lose your soul if you're trusting in that. So please don't do it. Second Timothy three, verse 12 says, "Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So you want to know why people don't live godly? Because they're going to get teased. Someone's going to make fun of them. Why you got to wear dresses like that? Why you why can't you walk around? Why don't you listen to why don't you watch? Because uh, I want to live godly in Christ Jesus. That's why. Okay, so young ladies, anybody starts making fun of you or teasing you, consider it persecution and you just say, because I want to live godly for Jesus Christ. Do you know about him? Boys, young boys, they start to tease you and mock you. Well, how come you can't go to this place? How come you can't talk like this? How come you know? Well, because I want to live godly in Christ Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? And you tell them about Jesus Christ. But if you live godly for Christ Jesus, you just signed up for some persecution. And Second Corinthians 12, 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, and distresses for the government's sake, no, for my job's sake, no, for Christ's sake. It's amazing to me, Paul says this under Holy Spirit's inspiration. It's amazing to me that people will keep a good paying job under a boss that treats them like dirt. They'll endure that persecution for a paycheck. But Jesus Christ, who has blessed you with all spiritual blessings, who has promised you a home in heaven, as soon as somebody challenges your faith or gives you a hard time about how you live, most Christians are just ready to backstep and go in retreat mode. Don't. You're going to live godly. Expect persecution. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised. I'm telling you, our bodily protection is different. We can obey God. Matter of fact, the more we obey God, the more, just by default, attacks are going to come our way. You see what they're doing nationally here in, in a nation that's supposed to be founded on Christian principles? Where are they? <laughs> I mean, home of the free. Land of the, the alphabet soup crowd. What are we free from? 
It's not our home. It's not our home. Our bodily protection is different. We can't claim promises God gave to the nation and expect that we obey God, that all our enemies are just going to be defeated. Last one will make America great again. Deuteronomy 28. Let's look at the 13th verse. Deuteronomy 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. Man, praise God. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and do. You observe the commands. You do all God that said. He said, you know what? You're going to be the head. No tail for you. You're above. You're not beneath. You're going to be great. I'll make you great. Except we're not Israel. We're not. So watch what Matthew 18 says. Matthew chapter 18. Verse number four. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest. In the kingdom of heaven. You won't be great. If you won't be great. Humble yourself. Now men tell me that's not hard. Young boys tell me that's not hard. Wives who've been married any length of time. Tell me that's not hard. <laughs> How many times have. Wives. Woken up like. Lord, I don't feel like listening to him. How many times have husbands come out of the house in the morning saying, I don't listen to her. She's got you know what God, you know what God says? He says, humble yourself. He says, humble. I'm listening to my parents. Well, that's not making you great. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Jesus listened to his parents and he knew more than his parents. His earthly parents, that is. So be like Jesus. A humble, humble servant. First Peter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Verse number 5. First Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger... Submit yourselves unto the elder. You want to be great? Submit. Just submit yourself. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Who's this for? It's for the church. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due, due time. You want to be exalted? Just get low, and then a little lower, and just a tad bit lower in humility. And that's how you become great. Israel, not so. The church, different than Israel, it's so. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Verse number 3. Let nothing... I'll say it again, let nothing, one more time for the young people, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. That's for the church, all the people of the church, and if you're thinking about getting saved and being part of the church, <laughs> you 
nothing for vain glory, nothing through strife, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. But I thought you said, Lord, in Deuteronomy, I can be the head, not the tail. I thought you said I could be above and not beneath. And the Lord's going to say, yeah, I did say that. I just didn't say it to you. <laughs> I said it to my people back in the Old Testament. And you know what the Lord's telling us as the church? Esteem somebody else higher. And if you have a problem with somebody who's part of Christ's body, because I got news for you. It ain't my body. It ain't your body. It's not the visitor's body. It's not the church member who's been a pillar for years' body. It's Christ's body. And each and every one of us would be do would do well to just esteem the other person better, better. You know how many times a week a preacher has to speak? I mean, if he's from a conservative Bible-believing church, typically they speak three times a week. This idea of getting a cush job and a salary and a 50 pension, whatever they call it, and doing a 20-minute pep talk, that's not what conservative Bible-believing churches do. They're typically spending hours laboring in the Word and preparing and studying and delivering three messages a week. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm not saying that uh, to get sympathy. I'm just saying that, what do you think? They're going to say everything right? <laughs> you talk that much. <laughs> Insert foot in mouth time. It's not easy. And then what makes it even harder is you're dealing with the word of God and you know it's for God's people. And so that makes your stomach even churn more. Esteem the other person higher than you would. Just humble yourself. Be patient with your pastor. And if you're listening online and you, I'm saying something that your pastor doesn't teach or believe, you don't go attack them. You esteem them higher and you show some humility. And this idea of listening to people online and then going to your local church and tearing the place apart, it's not right. It's not right. I've got a lot of good men that have gave me some really good, solid advice. And not all of us see eye to eye on every little itty bitty thing. All the major stuff, yeah. All the stuff that's important, yeah. You got to get used to that in a local assembly. You got to get used to that in a marriage. You got to get used to that with siblings. You got to get used to that with kids in the church house. Some kids are going to run around more than others. Some are going to talk more than others. Some are going to We got to esteem each other higher. Last verse. And then I believe we understand the difference between the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God. First Corinthians 12. The Gentiles are fellow heirs. First Corinthians 12 to what? what? We'll see. Verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he will for as the body is one all of us let's put our hand up like we're charismatics like we're at a big thing we'll all put our hands up come on it's just audience participation all put your hands up come on okay we're all one body okay now you put your hands down we're all one body all of us i know it's hard to believe i know 
I know it's hard to believe we we're from so many different backgrounds and so many different nationalities from so many different states that you, you, how in the world are we together here in this building? Because God, <laughs> we're part of Christ's body. And you know what? Whether you're a hand, a right hand or a left hand, a right foot or a left foot, an eyeball, okay, a leg, chest, a head, neck, just going down all the body part. part of, we need all of it to make the body work. All of it. You know, we built this log cabin when we came, and we needed someone to do the log stack, do the dirt work, do the plumbing, fix the mistakes that I made, a painter, a stainer, someone to do the ladder. We all work together. We got it done. And then we fought some, and then we worked together some more, and we got it done. Why? Because we're one body. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And he goes on, the foot, hand, the ear, eye. We're part of Christ's body as a New Testament church. Let's praise God for them. Let's bow. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.